This podcast has bad words. Hello and welcome to the Shut Your News Hole podcast. I'm Frizzell Bailey. And I'm Zach Mazur. So Zach, uh, I'm, I, have, I have to be honest, I'm really not looking forward to this conversation. Um, you, you mentioned this topic probably, what, two or three months ago? Yeah. And I've been dragging my feet on it because uh, it's, it's, it's one of those topics where you can get yourself into a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've been really concerned about, you know, where do I stand on this issue? Mm-hmm. What would I say about these things? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to start the conversation off, uh, I guess, with um, that, that caveat. caveat. <laughs> well, as you'll recall, I also didn't want to do it. I suggested the idea and then I changed my mind. But then I realized the fact that I was afraid to do it was exactly one of the problems I have with PC language is that I was afraid to go and do this and say some things and then be branded some kind of bigot or something, which I'm not. And then that made me realize that I was self-censoring by not even wanting to talk about it and share my thoughts on it. And that, in a sense, is the problem. Well, we're going to discuss it, but I, I decided that it is just because I was afraid to talk about it means that I think it's worth having a discussion about it. That's an inter- interesting point. I hadn't considered it that way, but yeah, you're totally right. Of course I'm right. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so um, stepping back a little bit, you, um, you had mentioned to me that, you know, to break this conversation down into three categories, academic, political correctness, political political correctness and then the media and the entertainment so i i tend to think more along the lines of media entertainment but i definitely am looking forward to discussing the other two categories so um well let's let's start with a little bit of background okay so uh political correctness as we know it today really kind of kind of got its got its foothold in the late 80s and early 90s um largely in uh, academics. So you had a lot of um, departments and and professors at the time starting African-American studies uh, uh, curriculum, uh, gender studies, uh, a lot of identity politics Mm -hmm. uh, being studied. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember this this period pretty well because I was was actually uh, in college in the early 90s um, so you're pretty old. I, I am pretty old, but I remember, I remember the discussions around you know what is American literature because I you know mm-hmm. I studied I have I still have an English degree so a lot of the discussions were so what should we be talking about and at the same time you had gender studies coming up women's classes coming up mm-hmm. um, and. There was some pushback, even at the time, from people who were more traditionalists and wanted to maintain the canon. Uh, so I, I say all that to say, I think fundamentally mm-hmm. what political correctness, if we want to call it that, is, mm-hmm. is a pushback on the existing orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, fair enough, and it should certainly happen in an area like that academics where you know you're, you're supposed to question things and look at things differently and and i would say that you know the political political correctness absolutely had 
um, the best of intentions and it's ultimately a good thing, just, you know, the degrees it's gone to. So I, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. And, and I, I know that there's been other, you know, arguments over the years of, you know, what literature should be taught in whatever institutions, schools or colleges, you know, take something like um, Huckleberry Finn, right? Where mm -hmm. there's, there's a character who's described at using the N word and therefore nobody should read it. It shouldn't be taught. But at the same time, that can also be a teachable moment to discuss how people view race and talk and things like that. So I guess the problem that some people have is they, is when you have some people that what's want to like completely kill certain ideas or things in, and instead of, you know, examining them closely. And I think the idea is that maybe, you know, you can make too much of a quote unquote safe space for people when you just, ah, I'm really not articulating this very well, just because the well, story has some offensive terms it still was written at a certain time in a certain place, which doesn't justify it, but it doesn't mean that you just take it off the curriculum. It's a teachable moment. Right. And I think a lot right. of people see this, like a lot of PCness, you know, oftentimes being very heavy handed. And I think that's where you get a lot of pushback too, in certain instances. Well, it's, it's definitely, definitely gone farther than I remember it being at the time when I was in college. Mm -hmm. So you, you hear a lot, a lot these days about, speakers being banned or disinvited right. from speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. And I understand that you may not want to have someone speak on your campus whose uh, politics or beliefs you disagree with. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. When, when I was in college, we had uh, Stokely Carmichael mm -hmm. come to speak mm -hmm. and I was pretty against a lot of what he, a lot of his later uh, uh, political thought was. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I might even try some small protest with me and my friends, mm -hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't to stop him from speaking, but it was to voice my opposition to to some of his ideas. Right. But now we have a we have a situation where you know speakers are just not being allowed. Right. And I don't know I don't know if that serves the student body well. Mm -hmm. Well, I I, I mean, don't think it does. I think. I mean, again, it's like the kind of slippery slope, you know, are there absolutely certain figures that you don't want in a campus? Probably, yeah, you can find some people, but yeah, when an Ann Coulter comes to speak, yeah, she's odious, really. But, you know, if you don't like what she says, counter her, ask questions in the Q&A period, uh, put, you know, put her on the defensive or just protest, but to right. completely silence her actually just plays into the hands of people who you know, would criticize political correctness and they'd have a point in that instance. Well, the, the question becomes, are you promoting the idea or are you, are you interrogating the idea? Mm -hmm. I, I fall on the side of if these ideas exist, the person, bring the people, the person in, have them speak and interrogate those ideas. Right. But I also see the other, the other side saying that we're giving them a platform to spread these ideas. Right. Well, I guess what you might want to look at really is, is this person just going to come and say things that you disagree with? Or could this person maybe incite violence? So I think that that would be legitimate to ban someone who, for, for somehow, some way, 
you know, will say things that could incite violence. Like, do you really need to bring the head of the Aryan nations to a college to speak? And maybe some of the things this person would say could even be a form of incitement to violence. That I could kind of get. But again, right. man and, culture. And no, no one's, no, yeah, no one's really doing that. That That's an extreme example. And I can't recall any any recent incident where someone that, you know, that country. I was just was using that as an example speak. of saying when it might be legitimate to ban somebody from a college campus, you know, someone who really promotes violence. But other than that, if it's just right. dumb ideas or even bad ideas, yeah, go toe to toe with them. Don't shut them down completely. So we, we've talked about this off air before. And the thing that I that I hear when, when you speak about it, well, one of the things I hear is that your concern is that the the political correct term or thing to do or behavior becomes in itself an orthodoxy mm -hmm. that can't be broken. Yeah, a form of thought police. Right. That right in and of itself makes makes me want to break it. <laughs> well, how but how do how do you avoid doing something so for example um mm -hmm. black people used to be called you know colored then negroes right then afro-americans mm -hmm. then african-americans right. then black mm -hmm. so we we have we have this term morphing and changing at first by the by the people by by the the people in power deciding what that name is mm -hmm. going to be and later on in this latter stage uh, black people themselves deciding what that term should be to describe who they right. are, setting their own setting their own identity. Mm -hmm. So, I have I have a certain amount of kinship mm -hmm. in terms of identifying terms. Mm -hmm. When you know someone wants to be called queer or mm -hmm. or, or uh, transgender or whatever right. it is, I have a lot of sympathy mm -hmm. or empathy for for that point of view because I understand right. it, but. Do we get to a point where it becomes it becomes its own uh, hegemony? What becomes a hege he hegemony? The I'm, I'm missing the, the point a little bit. I don't know. I, well, here here's what your thoughts or what you're saying made me think. Um, as you know, there's an organization. I, I think it's still around, but the United Negro College Fund. But it has the term Negro, which you don't say, and when people say it, you raise an eyebrow, like, what the How's wrong? Where's this person been for so long? I guess so. But at the same time, I completely agree with you that the the ethnic group or race, you know, that we're talking about should, yeah, be able to, de to determine how they would like to be called or dressed or whatnot. But what if there's different views within that one community? Then, you know, then what do you say? Or if the terms are changing so rapidly that it's hard to keep up? I mean, I, I don't I'm just it's just a thinking out loud here. Um, one of the things that really seems weird to me is that homosexuals, gay people or whatever, I'm sorry if that's bad, they like to be called queer. And I only just learned, I don't know, I only just learned this like two weeks ago when I was at my parents' house from my millennial age sister. And I just think that's, I, I would feel weird saying like, yeah, that's John, he's queer. Well, that's the thing that that term used to be a Right. It used to be a, 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 an mm -hmm. insult. But is come back around and been reclaimed. Right. And that's fine. That's so, great. It's but but from the perspective of uh non queer people, it can seem 
kind of odd or shocking or I mean, that's the other thing is yeah. I don't want to offend. Well, sometimes I do, but not queer people. Um, and again, I still can't imagine myself using that word to describe gay people I know, but right. I guess I'm supposed to, or typically I don't go around saying, oh, my friend here is gay or whatever, but you know what I mean? Well, one, one of the things you just said, I think is important for this conversation. The, the idea that the culture is changing so rapidly mm -hmm. now that it's both hard to keep up and difficult to navigate. Mm -hmm. So you have, you have all these opportunities for misunderstanding, for things that seem on their face, racist, sexist, homophobic, mm -hmm. but may just be someone adjusting poorly to the, the, the new environment. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, I guess that was the case with me and the term queer. Yeah. And, and I, I've had, I've had issues or difficulties with the, 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 the pronouns for LBGQ mm -hmm. because, you know, some, some people don't want to be in that binary of he right. and her. Yeah. And that's a, something that's a definitely something that is, not from our generation it's a millennial thing because i've seen people sign off in emails where it says like him her who's or i'm like okay right <laughs> interesting and when, when 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 i was in college you you chose the pronoun either him or her depending on how the person identified mm -hmm. so if, if you had someone who was transgen transgender and they identified as she that's what you call them. Mm -hmm. There was there was no there was no well call me they because it's non gender. Right. Yeah, and and you know I guess the thing is is that if that's how LGBT people prefer it, that's fine. But people that don't use maybe that term or the wrong wrong pronoun, I think that you know it's unfair to then you know accuse them of being bigots. A lot of sometimes they just don't know. And right. I think also people should realize that as well. You know, yeah. I mean, I know a guy who's in OBGYN for the LBGT community and no, I'm just kidding. It's just, that's, that's, a lot of letters. that's why I said it. It sounds funny. Um, but even right there, was that, was that bigoted of me when I just made a stupid joke? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I think sometimes yeah, people just can't funny. fucking laugh at themselves to an extent, but anyway, um, so academia, um, when I started college, when you did as well, yeah, that was a big thing, politically correct. And, um, you know, I have to say, I, I don't ever remember, I don't remember feeling like it was being foisted on me or anything like that. Um, I, I think maybe sometimes feel that way about college just because you're challenged, think differently about things that you maybe always thought a certain way. Um, or I don't know, did you ever feel that you were having it shoved down your throat as a student? Mm, not really. I mean, if anything, I was probably one of the ones doing a, a good bit of the shoving. <laughs> um, I was pretty vocal about, you know, racial mm -hmm. identity and to a, a lesser extent, gender and orientation mm -hmm. identity um, uh, later in college. So I, I never felt like it was something that I had mm -hmm. to do. But just, just like black people weren't were no longer you know Negroes right. and nigger, women aren't bitches. Mm -hmm. 
gave gave men right. her facts. It, it it's just it made yeah. sense. Do you looking back on it? Do you feel that you ever went too far, or would you do the same again? Uh, well, I mean, I I I think I might have gone too far in my exclusion of 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 language from my my individual lexicon. Mm-hmm. So as I've gotten older, some of the terms that I that I uh, forced it before have come mm-hmm. back, and I might use them differently than than you know I would have before college or people who have racist or sexist or homophobic mm-hmm. intent. Uh, but I I brought some of that language back to reclaim right. it and use it in a way that I feel is appropriate mm-hmm. for me, um, but never with an intent to demean, belittle discriminate against right anyone. yeah I, I think a lot of ethnic groups do that to an extent i know that the term heeb used to be pejorative for jewish people but now you know or there used to be a magazine called heeb you know and i could jokingly you know refer to myself like, yeah i'm a heeb and it's not a big deal now someone else called me a heeb again i mean a lot of the time it's it's context you know i have friends who will tell me jewish jokes right. and it's not a problem because i know them they're my friends so, you know, as long as it's not like making fun of the Holocaust, what do I care? I think it's funny. Like, it's just because oftentimes because it's so, well, sometimes because it's just so stupid, like about the money grubbing kind of stuff. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, one time my brother but, just said, like, what's a Jewish dilemma? Free bacon. And I, I, I don't know that he came up with it. <laughs> oh, you're laughing. You think that's funny? No, but that's, you know. That's, it that's is, but, but it's funny, but it's also so stupid. Like, I, but, and that's the thing. If right. somebody that I don't know and I don't know how they feel about Jews told me that joke, I don't know that I'd laugh because I have, you know, it's all about context. Right. Well, when does a joke go too far? Yeah. That's the question. That's there. true too. It's true. You know, and, and there are a lot of comedians so, that will totally push the envelope. Sarah Silverman. Oh my God. <laughs> but that's more for our media. <laughs> well, and, and a lot of comedians are talking about this very issue right now. Uh, Dave Chappelle has been talking mm-hmm. about it. Uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld has talked about it. Uh, so can, can we have too, comedy? This isn't a racial thing to an extent. This is cutting across all of American society. When you have black comedians and a white comedian agreeing that there's something going on here where people are just too sensitive. But are, are they, people too sensitive? The yeah, is like, I, I, I don't honestly know. Right. And so that's, again, why I find myself, you know, filtering myself. Um, I mean, I don't want to run ahead too far. We still have politics to discuss. But, you know, last year I'm working at a digital marketing firm and a girl that I worked with, a millennial, um, she was born in Russia. So I talked to her with my Russian accent. Can you please go get me, print out this thing I need for the emails that we're going to send? And she would laugh and stuff. So one day I came up to her and I, you know, I don't remember what it was, but I'm just like, can you please make sure to email me the document? And then she's laughing and I'm like, that would be very nice if you could email it to me, but make sure you email it to the work email and not to my paternal email. And she's like giving me this mean look. And I'm like, oh, I didn't do a very good generic Indian accent. And she's like, no, that's offensive because you're white and Indians are brown. And I just, I didn't know what to say. And she actually treated me kind of, you know, she was, she didn't really talk to me after that. I was, I guess, a racist or a bigot somehow. And it never even crossed my mind 
that what I did was racist. I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know, I'm, of course, there's a time and a place, but I, we were, I was doing accents. So it was, you know, I didn't just come out of nowhere and say it. And, you know, again, and I was, this is about 10 years ago, but I was, I was on the phone for tech support and obviously the tech support person, it was India, obviously in India. And there was something, there was a point of time where we had to wait for a while. So I just started chatting with the person and um, saying, you know, like, yeah, I want to visit India one day and this and that. And then I said, oh, I do an Indian accent. Or, you know, he's like, okay, let me hear it. Actually, he's like, I'd love to hear it. No, he didn't talk that thick of an accent, but I did it. And he was laughing. And then he said, hold on, I'm going to put up the phone so that my colleagues can hear and do it again. And then I did it and I could hear people laughing in the background. So that's one of the reasons why it just, I never occurred to me that doing accents was bad. I mean, some of my favorite comedians do accents. Of course, if you say really offensive things about that group of people while doing that accent, that's a problem. But I mean, and, and then where, you know, this is just a, it's a real slippery slope. You know, what if I want to do my like Latin lover Cuban accent, you know, I'm from Havana. We love to love the ladies, you know. Is can I do it? Some Cubans have lighter skin and some are black. So it's really it's just such a slippery slope. Well, the question is, why is the accent funny? So if, if we're if we're doing an mm-hmm. accent and we're 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 meaning it to be a, a mm-hmm. comedic what's funny about it? Is it the or accent itself? Is yeah. it the content of, of mm-hmm. what you're saying? I think understanding understanding mm-hmm. that distinction might be the important part. Yeah, and I guess the thing is there will be some people that will never understand the context or care about it. And then again, that brings me to another thing I wanted to talk about, which was how um, Hank Azaria, from the, you know one of the producers of The Simpsons, and I think did the voice of Apu, you know, was no longer going to do Apu because an Indian American comedian said that Apu was offensive. But what was interesting is that when I read talkbacks, because it was on NPR, but it was also on the website, a lot of the talk, most of the talkbacks that were from people with, you know, obviously Indian names thought this guy was just being a baby. And some of them even said that they loved Apu because he was one of the first characters in mainstream American culture that like they could identify that, you know, they made him feel part of America, that he was a, an Indian character. And as another friend of mine pointed out when I had a discussion on Facebook, she said that out of all of the characters, Apu was really actually one of the only positive characters in The Simpsons and that he was hardworking, a good family man, you know, compared to Homer and, and you know, the drunks at the bar. It, and so, again, is this an in, in, in it, was this going overboard or not? I mean, because then there's a whole other thought of, well, you know, if somebody was offended, and I think that's Hank Azaria's position. Well, if there were some people out there that are offended, I won't do it. But what if the majority of people, say Indian people, didn't find it offensive? You have to then just center yourself because of a few, you know, humorless people. Who... Well, I, I think it's more it's a little more okay. nuanced than that because the... The guy who took offense with Apu, he's he's actually a comedian himself. I bet he sucks. He wasn't, if I remember the interview I heard correctly, he wasn't himself sure at first oh. if it was racist or offensive or not. So he was he was trying to open his dialogue mm-hmm. with uh, Hank and the show and just be like, we need to talk mm-hmm. about this and 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 you know see. What we're right, I suppose. At. Yeah, what it comes down to also, what are you laughing at? Right. 
are we laughing at Abu because his accent is funny? Are we are we laughing at him because he has twelve kids? Or because he operates uh, I mean, Quickie Mart? He, uh, yeah. So what 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 part of these stereotypes are are we finding? But the thing funny? is that there are a lot of South Asians that do own Quickie Marts. In fact, this is just before this webinar. I was yeah. my well, I, I do business. One of my co- uh, clients. Uh, runs a software company and he, he's Indian. And I asked him, you know, how did you get into this particular field of software that you do? He's like, you know, when you are willing to come to America, there are really just go to a software. And then I said, or medicine. He's like, yes, or medicine. And then I said, or maybe a quickie mark. He's like, oh yeah, but not if you want to make a lot of money. And so he didn't care that I said it. He laughed because so, he knows that, right. that I'm actually, I, well, well, it's, it's, it's true. Yeah. I mean, Indian Americans also own a lot of hotels. We, we just don't realize oh, that as okay. much. But yeah, the, the stereotype has some validity. Right. Oh, well, no, and that's the other thing about stereotypes is they don't come out of thin air. There's usually a, a grain of truth to them. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. Um, I don't know. It's, it's Again, though, the whole idea of – I just think it's context, you know. And I think of uh, the movie Coming to America with Eddie Murphy, and he does – an impression of an old Jewish man and it just I I died I love it I watch it you know every out now and then because he does it so well and there's something almost to me endearing that you know this black guy has caught all of the nuances of like an old Jew with a Yiddish accent that it seems to me that it must come out of a place of almost endearment if that makes any sense I think one of the reasons that I enjoyed well doing certain accents is no, that's, eh, I love Indian people. Yeah. I, I judge people on who they are as a, as a person. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, like, I love Russians. All right. I don't like Putin. So, but I'll still do the accent. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, again, it goes back to the whole idea of what Seinfeld said that if things are too PC, it's going to kill comedy because there is an element of comedy that pushes the envelope and someone is always going to be offended by something else. So, but again, I, right. I suppose, who do, where do we draw the line or who gets to say what's offensive? Well, maybe we don't draw the line. Maybe the problem is not that, not that a comedian or a politician or whomever says or does something that people find offensive. Maybe the problem is how we respond mm-hmm. to it afterwards. So for, for example, um, the Kevin Hart situation with mm-hmm. the uh, Oscars. So... If you recall, he made a comment about hitting his son over the head with, you know, a brick or something if mm-hmm. he found out he was gay. This was back in 2010. So after that tweet came out late uh, late last year, the, the Grammys dropped him mm-hmm. as the host. Uh, even though he apologized and said, you know, that, that was a joke I made eight years ago. I don't mm-hmm. really feel that way anymore. Was it anymore or was it so, context? I mean, I thought that he, he said that in the context of humor, like that he didn't literally mean it then either. Well, the, the, the tweet right. was a joke, but I, I do think that at the time, he probably meant that I don't want my son right. to okay. be gay. And that's... And he was, and he was, he was making this uh, very mm-hmm. hyperbolic statement mm-hmm. or, or joke to get right. that point. Yeah, across. okay. So there was, little, there was a grain of truth to the statement, even though he, he made right. it as a joke. Well, my, my, my question is, is the problem with PC culture 
the inability for people to change and people to forgive. That's a good way of putting it. Hmm. Because just, just because you made a joke like that in 2010 doesn't mean that you're henceforth mm -hmm. a homophobe. Yeah, and, and, and in as much as people should know to change certain ways that they certain things they say or you know to be up with the times in a, in a legitimate manner maybe some people should need to realize that they actually are overly sensitive and and too judgmental so it's maybe both sides need to have a little give and take but i don't know i mean the other thing i found with a lot of people that are super pc like beyond what i think is fair is they often are kind of humorless and I don't know, man, I'm just, I'm just venting here a little bit. Um, but now getting, comparing the whole idea of politically correct uh, speech between politics and then the entertainment media, I would say there are differences there, especially in comedy. You are pushing the envelope. You know, comedy is just kind of, you know, brutal and it does make people feel uncomfortable. So we get that. There's that, you know, kind of fine line. Now, mm -hmm. politics, I think it, that's where political correctness is important because politicians are not comedians. And they, I think that they do have the obligation to be up with the times, know what's appropriate and what isn't appropriate. And you see what I'm saying? It, it, it's... Um, it would yeah. be very weird to have a white politician referring to black people as Negroes. They should know that right. when they're in public office. Yeah. So politi political correctness in the political realm is largely understood to be the province of mm -hmm. liberals and Democrats. And so Republicans are often uh, presented and present themselves as in opposition to right. uh, political correctness. I mean, they've they've made a whole kind of cottage industry on pushing back on, mm -hmm. on political yep. correctness. The interesting thing to me is that there is a form of conservative political yeah. correctness. I would I, I would I would hold up the the Colin Ka Colin Kaepernick protest Absolutely. as an example of that. Yeah. So here you have someone having a a a well reasoned, very uh, um, honest expression of, of mm -hmm. protest and disapproval. But then you have on the opposite political spectrum, a group of people who are trying mm -hmm. to reframe or recast mm -hmm. that thing as something negative, something that is in opposition to right. What a bunch patriotism. of fucking snowflakes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. The, the snowflake exactly. thing can be thrown. So, so well, yeah, yeah. You, you have it on the right where you have people who they're, they're trying to say what is and is not a family, what is and is mm -hmm. not a Absolutely. patriot. And that is a, that is a yep. form of political correctness. It just happens to be a mm -hmm. conservative. No, you're form. absolutely right. It does cut both ways. And um, yeah, I wasn't even really thinking so much about that topic. I mean, I've thought about it before, but it, I was thinking so much in the other direction, mostly in terms of just entertainment and comedy. Um, but you're absolutely right. There is um, orthodoxy for both sides of the spectrum. But whereas I think that's, you know, literally people who hold that view are snowflakes. At the same time, what are we, what's going on with blackface these days? Now, 
that is definitely offensive. And a number of people have not just the well, dude, what's his face, North Carolina, whatever. Not, but like, wasn't Megyn Kelly kicked off or had to resign from whatever NBC or something because she said she didn't understand why blackface? I mean, yeah. Why it was a problem in, in all situations. So if someone wanted to color their face a little darker to be Diana Ross, what's the big whoop? But here's the thing, man. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have to say it. There, there, There's a segment of the population mm-hmm. of white people who love them some blackface. And that's probably always going to be the case. I don't know yeah. why they love blackface so much, but man, do they love Yeah, I, I didn't even, I mean, I guess I should have. I, I know that there's a lot of, you know, racist people in the world. Um, I didn't know that blackface had this particular appeal, though. It, it crops up every few years. It's not always a big national story, but I feel like we've had discussions in the last 10 years at least three or four times with somebody doing blackface. Hmm. So I wasn't surprised that we, we were in the middle of another crop right. of blackface. I mean, blackface has been a part of American culture yeah, been a while. since what, the late, late 1700s, mm-hmm. early 1800s. And, and the thing is, people don't even know that some of our, some of our most beloved uh, uh, characters are, are a, a direct offshoot mm-hmm. of blackface. So, so uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mickey Mouse, if you go back to early Mickey Mouse cartoons, that is a really? mouse in blackface. Hmm. Really. Okay. Just go back and look at them. You, you look at the Dumbo movie uh, from Disney, those crows on, on the line. Uh, getting Dumbo mm-hmm. to fly. Those voices, straight hmm. from Amos and Andy. Blackface. Wow. Yeah. It's not surprising, though. So it's, it, it, per, it, it's been, it's, it, it permeates the culture. Mm-hmm. It, it always has. And one of the reasons why I think even that, I think now that it's, even among young people, you see like kids on mm-hmm. college campuses still doing it. I think that is, is more a, a result of Black culture and 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 art becoming so prominent mm-hmm. in this country. If if you go back prior to, you know, probably I probably put it at maybe the mid to late eighties. Black culture was was prominent, but it was always prominent as performed right. by white people. You have Elvis Presley becoming super famous mm-hmm. and not Chuck Berry. But then you have Michael right. Jackson and Prince come along, and they they become mm-hmm. huge crossover stars. And then you go back to the two thousands, and you have JC come along and Beyonce come along. So you have all these white kids who admire mm-hmm. these performers, and they may not be so well informed on the, the socio political mm-hmm. history of blackface. Um, right, they're just dumb. <laughs> they're just ignorant they think it's a good idea mm-hmm. to put on black makeup yeah, um some of them yeah yeah some some of them now there may be some who right, know and yeah, they tend to be racist just don't see the big deal because they don't know the history of it yeah you know um you know when we first met in graduate school weren't you studying something related to uh black people and in, in advertising or something um uh, uh, okay, new, black newspapers. Because I, I swear you and I somehow, or you were mentioning to me something about Aunt Jemima syrup. Maybe I'm hallucinating. But yeah, so yeah. and that got me thinking after that, like, okay, and then there's 
what was it? Uncle Joe's rice and Ben's rice. Shit. Uh, Uncle Ben's. I've seen it my whole life. Is that what's weird to me is that in a culture, because those are older products that, you know, were even more, a culture that was even more racist against black people that back then seems odd that you'd want to use black people then in advertising because wouldn't, you know, people don't like black people. Why put them on your syrup or your rice? And is that offensive or not? I, the, the, the mammy figure mm-hmm. and the Uncle Tom figure are beloved right. among, or were beloved among white people because those people were the individuals who took yeah. care of some of them. So the mammy was mm-hmm. the one who raised right. you, actually, not your mother. Uncle Ben was that wise old, mm-hmm. you know, field hand or if going further back, slave hand who, you know, Damn, took you just care totally of things around the house. educated me because I've wondered about that for so long. But that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's hmm. that's totally where it stems from. Did we get from. off topic or not? How could we tie that so in? It's, 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 I wanted to talk about it because of Governor right. Northam in Virginia and his... Maybe I was in oh, blackface. Yeah, maybe I wasn't in blackface. Well, that black, or he was in a face. clan. Uh, situ- clan. Yeah, he was in a clan outfit. So there, right. there's there's no good outcome here. But the 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 thing I wanted to talk about was not so much that mm-hmm. he did it, but how we've responded okay. to it now. So you have all these calls for him to resign based on something he did mm-hmm. 35 years ago. As a college, right. well, a med yeah, school yeah, student, yeah. so he's probably in his still, his early to mid twenties to know. And um, yeah, but also still kind of a dumb person. I was thinking, oh, he's in med school, but yeah, those are two different things. One being socially sophisticated, and the other just good at med school stuff. Right, and 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 if if you're in an environment where that's socially acceptable, even if you don't believe it, you mm-hmm. may you may fall prey to it. So I'm not saying I'm not mm-hmm. forgiving his actions. I'm just thinking, what's the statute of limitation on dumb right. shit I but did also another when I was thing 20? To think about is, okay, so he did that, but what about then how he behaved as a politician and, and the types of stuff that he did in terms of legislation? You know, from what I understand, he's a liberal, so... Yeah, he, he was right. a solid democratic liberal. And in yeah, Virginia, and if he were truly a racist or a bigot or whatever, he would not be a liberal Democrat. He'd be, a, well, a Republican. <laughs> um... So yeah, yeah, so I don't know. What, should he resign? Should he not? You know, I, I, I just with so many other things going on, I didn't give it much deep thought. I think I was just kind of, yeah, he should resign. That was stupid. But I don't know. Should he? Yeah, but what, does he have the capacity to or change? Or would we argue that he is has shown us that he changed Do by think people... you know, virtue of how he, of what kind of politician he's been? I know, and that's what I'm saying. No yeah. one's asking that question, or at least I haven't heard anyone asking that question. And maybe that's the problem with with this whole idea of political correctness. Maybe it it becomes it becomes mm-hmm. so restrictive. People are afraid that, to actually say, you know what, he shouldn't resign. Let's look at his actual track record. He said sorry about it. Man, he vacillated and said dumb stuff, but whatever. But nobody wants to say that because then they'll right. be branded, you know, a bigot or NPC. That's yeah, exactly. Right. And that's kind of what brought me to wanting to discuss all of this. Yeah. So is you're you're you pretty much created the thing you were fighting against you you've become mm-hmm. yeah. the orthodoxy and you know the other thing too i i think that when there's a lot of people i mean maybe even to an extent myself included but in in other areas but when you're told over and over and over again what is right what is right you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that sometimes people just want to be like well fuck it i can do 
this if I want, not going totally off the rails. But, you know, when, you know, I even know that at times in college, and again, I never felt that anything was stuff, you know, thrown down my throat, but sometimes I would take a position that was maybe more to the right than I really felt personally, but just because I felt nobody else was saying it. And so I think that there is also the risk that the more PC people become, there might just be a pushback by people who are just freaking annoyed. Not, you know, it depends how, how they push back. Yeah. But, but I don't, I don't, but I don't want just some knee jerk pushback or resistance to what people uh, consider to be the, Mm -hmm. the current political norm. I want, we need to get to the fundamental question of do we think people can change and is one off color remark or one uh, uh, episode of bad behavior indicative of who you are as a person, your character, and who mm-hmm. you will be for the rest of your life. Yeah, I would agree with you. I don't know that it is. Do that. Because I mean, even 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 for me, if if you if you had met me in, in junior high and high school, I was I was dropping f bombs and not fuck, but faggot. Yeah, I was dropping faggot bombs all over too. the place. Right, because and everybody we around it, me we weren't was. even thinking of gay people. You'd be like, oh, fag, get away from me. You know, like. We didn't think about it. Well, right. Well, I mean, we kind of were, but it was, it was, it was, Mm -hmm. it was a bunch of dumb kids saying some dumb shit. We used to say that. So, like, yeah, everybody did. Well, and had had we had, but had we had Facebook and Twitter in the Mm -hmm. late '80s, early '90s, where where would we be right now? Would anybody forgive us for saying faggot all the time? I mean, it's probably a wonderful thing that the digital trail only goes back so far. Because, yeah. Oh, and this is going to come back to haunt so many people yeah, I mean, in the digital age. They're going to, you know. Yeah, so we we need to have this this discussion about, okay, what are we going to do when these things crop up? How are we going to treat people both on the victim side and the perpetrator side when these things happen? Because it's not a question of if. And also, it's going though, to keep happening because people, people say do dumb shit. Right. And, and that will never but change. But it also seems that things seem, you know, as, as political correctness started and as it continues, um, it seems that it gets more and more strict. And so, you know, at, at what time have we entered a, a you know, a slippery slope? Uh, how far will it go? Or as Seinfeld worries, will it kill comedy? Um, is it, I mean, how do you even try to do um, satire on something without coming off bigoted? I did a satiric version of the lyrics from baby it's cold outside and um i think there was that one part where she says like what did you put in my drink or something like that and when my version that i made i said that he gave her a roofie um but if you it was satire of the entire song with my ridiculous lyrics that mirrored what was going on in the original because well it was satire and in any event, in the end, the guy totally loses and the woman isn't interested in him. But uh, someone told me like, yeah, that's real. Yeah, that's funny. Rape is funny. I'm like, that wasn't my point. I wasn't making fun of rape. I was just making fun of the original version and just made it in a modern version, modern context. That's all I was doing. Right. A and modern so, context. again, so. Yeah. It's, it's funny you should bring that song up because. Last year, there was some discussion right. about not playing. That's why I satirized the lyrics. That's what got problematic. me going. I just saw an area for stupid humor. But yeah, I know. Yeah, and well, I'm I'm saying, 
aside from you trying to to mm -hmm. uh, uh, spoof it, people were already talking about the fact mm -hmm. that in its current form, right, it was problematic. Now, I don't, mm -hmm. I haven't listened to it that deeply. I never thought about it that way. I mean, was mm -hmm. the guy pushy? Yeah, he was pushy. But maybe it was cold outside. I don't know. I wasn't there. Oh, so but women can't handle cold again, weather, Frizzell? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Nobody wants, <laughs> nobody wants to, nobody wants to go you. outside. I'm being over cold. PC. We, we live in the Midwest. So, yeah, I mean, you know, how, how far do we take it before it becomes its, right. its own prison? Yeah, well, I, I think I'm going to view it as, what do they say about pornography? You know it when you see it. I think I know when something has gone yeah. too far and is really hurtful and maybe racist or sexist or homophobic. I know when something sounds bad, but I also know that sometimes there's jokes about things and they're not intended in that same way. I don't know how else to, de to determine it, what is okay and what isn't, um, other than using my own value system, which I think is decent enough because I know that I'm going to yeah. continue doing accents because I find it amusing and oftentimes it makes people laugh and I don't think it's racist to do it. Some people are going to disagree, mm -hmm. you know, but can I say, well, then I, I write and perform poetry and, you know, I don't think is what I'm putting down or what I'm about to say in front of this crowd, racist or sexist or homophobic. I, I don't intend for any of it to be, but then again, I want, when, when I'm writing, I want to right. be able to challenge ideas and challenge mm -hmm. people's uh, uh, thinking. So sometimes that takes me in the territory where, you know, I'm, I'm probably yeah. nudging and, up against I, that I, I line. Just, a world where you can't do that, be lame. <laughs> I'm just, sorry, it wasn't the most <laughs> bad, bad, bad word, but. And that's the name of the podcast. Of what? Oh, no, never mind. Um, dumb yeah, well, you know, I've I haven't done it in a while, but I've done a little bit of stand up, and I did one routine where um, I was talking about how, M you know, globalization, and that even MTV is globalized, and that they have their own that there's even MTV India, and that they had their own version of Pimp My Ride, but it was actually called you know Pimp My Elephant, and then I just kind of you know. Played along with, oh my God, I can't believe, look at what you did to my elephant. You painted her tusks. You put nice colors on her and make it look so beautiful. Oh, you know, and, I, and the crowd liked it, but I don't know. I guess that's a terrible thing I did. Because everybody knows Indians don't well, I mean, walk around on elephants anyway. That just shows that it's just a stupid fucking joke. Right. It's, it's, it's an, exactly. It, but it's an exaggeration. Yeah. Right. But you, I, I suppose, and... I don't want to go down. I don't want to go down the slippery slope road, but yeah, I I can see where someone could 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 mm -hmm. unpack that and 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 yeah. and, and deconstruct yeah. it in well, a racial I could, context. If I wanted but, to, but that's so not how it's intended, the, the, right? All right, but my whole point with all of this is we got to find a way to deal with to deal with this in a way that's not always you know scorched earth and you know. Right. Yeah. Fire yeah. I don't know how to get there, though. I think that's the problem is that something someone's always going to be insulted by something. 
And some people are always going to do things that are truly insulting and maybe try to hide behind this whole, like, they're being too PC. So I don't know. I think it'll be an ongoing discussion that will never end. And it will always, and always what, what is dirt, you know, deemed to be offensive or not changes with each generation. So we're just going to have to learn how to navigate right. it. I guess that's all I got to say. Okay, Zach, we'll give you the last cool. word on that. Oh, was that it? What did I have the last word or <laughs> am I about to say the last word? No, okay. This is my last word. Here is my last word. Word was That's my your last, last word. word. Oh, fuck. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right. Take it easy. All right, man. Thank you for listening to the show.